If you love all things gardening, why not join us at our Spring Fair from the 3rd to the 5th of May at Bewley in Hampshire. You'll find everything you need to kickstart the season. Find out more at bbcgardenersworldfair.com. See you there. It takes a lot of hard work to make it look easy. This Mother's Day, Duluth Trading Co. can help you give her something that keeps up. Whether you prefer to shop online or in-store, Duluth has a motherload of gear, goods, and gifts to keep her comfortable and capable, no matter what needs doing. With Duluth's problem-solving details and legendary durability to boot, you'll finally be mom's favorite again. Check out DuluthTrading.com for all your Mother's Day gifting needs. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. One in five people in the UK report a disability, causing difficulty with day-to-day activities. But does this mean gardening is impossible for those affected? Hello, I'm Miranda. And today with my guests, I'm looking at how positive mindset and creative thinking means barriers in gardening can be overcome for some of those facing disability or limb difference challenges. First, I talk to Sue Kent, who's known to many Gardener's World viewers as the gardener in Swansea who finds creative ways to garden with upper limb difference. She shares the incredible response she got following her appearance on the show and tips of how to get around challenges for those gardening with physical difference. And I hear from Sonal Samaria about the challenge of training to become a gardener for those with hearing and visual impairment. But first, Sue. I got into gardening. Um, I had a little flat in London with a balcony where I killed things on because it was too sunny. And (sighs) when we moved down to Wales, um, I so desperately wanted to be near the sea. I didn't really consider the garden and I ended up, you know, buying the house with a view and, and having a three quarters of an acre garden to deal with. So I sort of got into it um, unwittingly. But yeah. my parents love gardening. So it was, you know, everybody came to help me. And, um, you know, I just love it. I was going to say, cause it was lovely to see about your father. Um, he had a rural warrant for, was no, it asparagus? My great-grandfather. Oh, great-grandfather. Yeah, had a Sorry. royal warrant for growing asparagus um, for the Prince of Wales. And my father always tried to emulate him and I remember going out to his <laughs> shed at six o'clock in the morning he's desperately trying to grow this asparagus on unsuitable soil and uh, my mother <laughs> exasperated because he spent so much time failing to achieve anything um, so I've tried and failed as well um, and now I've got one little plant in a tub that I'm trying to nurture to give me some plants. <laughs> and did your father teach you gardening or where did you pick it up? Well um, I my father didn't, um, you know, it was by osmosis, really, isn't it? So my father was vegetables, yeah. my mum was shrubs and flowers. And um, my they both sort of had an input, especially when I moved down here. They love coming down here. And my father would be up in the greenhouse showing me how to do runner beans. And my mum would be showing me how to do shrubs. And uh, so that, that. But of course, 
I've been an avid fan of Gardener's World for 31 <laughs> years. <laughs> so I've learned, I learned, I learned through um, all those presenters. Oh, fabulous. So it was something you had done as a child, but really got into sort of maybe a bit later in life as you moved down to Wales. Yeah. Is that fair? When we get a bit more space, I think that helps, doesn't it, it does as you help. say? <laughs> this is a little bit too much space in a way, but you know, you can't have you can't have a location without the big garden. No, absolutely. And that sounds perfect to me, to be honest. <laughs> um, having your difference from birth, was there ever a time you felt that gardening was something you wouldn't be able to do? No, I didn't really think about it. No, nope, because I was out with my dad. They wouldn't let mm-hmm. me do it. They didn't encourage me to do it. I had, I was allowed to do potting on and seeds, um, but I didn't use my feet at that stage. And I just get terribly messy. And th- th- I was too busy playing. I was in the <laughs> shed, you know, with my tea set where my dad was doing all the work and uh, my toy tea set. And then I just got to do the seedlings, you know. And uh, so I didn't do anything until I had a balcony where I tried to grow sweet peas, but it was west facing in London. It was far too hot. So, and I wasn't caring enough at that stage. If you don't mind me asking about your upper body difference, and it, we've talked about this earlier, this word difference rather than disability is, is quite important, isn't it? Well, yes, it's, it's, it's the way, you know, the, the modern way of replacing words that people find a bit negative. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I always used to refer to it as a disability, but I never really felt disabled in any way. Um and so difference is quite a nice word. Difference is, is just, you know, I'm, I am different and I do things differently. But I obviously some things I can't do and, 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 and the difference does become disabling in certain ways. But I try not to put myself into a direction where I'm going to feel disabled. I try to do things that I can do things differently rather than I actually can't do them. And for those who didn't see the clip, would you mind explaining the difference that you have, that you were born with? I have, I am a, my mother took the drug thalidomide, which caused birth defects from, you know, in the uterus. And so I have eight inch arms and three fingers on one hand, four fingers on the other and no thumbs. So no, no ability to grip. Um, So that's the difference. It's quite interesting asking you about as a child, you know, I wondered if your parents were worried about sort of, I suppose, safety or anything like that, that there was anything thinking you shouldn't do this or you can't do this. That sounds like that wasn't a situation. Well, it was a situation when I was first born. But at the time, there was a lot of us born with similar disabilities and we had a lot of input um, and studies were done. And it was found to be that we should do yeah, my mum was scared, but she was encouraged not to be, that we should do everything that everybody will have the opportunity to try mm-hmm. and do what everybody else is doing, but maybe do it slightly differently. So horse riding, swimming, you know, I was at school, I had to play netball rounders, everything. So I might play rounders with a tennis racket or netball. Everybody mm-hmm. stops when I try and throw the goal and nobody puts their hands in front of me. So I had a very progressive school for sport and a very can-do attitude. So and my my, you know, parents were a bit nervous but I think Mm. the school just let me fly really. And do you think that attitude then has come into the gardening where you do just find solutions rather than barriers? Yeah I think my mum and my mum and dad were very good at trying to find solutions but I've become 
even better at it. And to be honest, <laughs> I love lateral thinking. So give me a problem. And I, I lay awake dreaming of wild solutions. And sometimes it's a question that I can't manage it myself. And I have to try and persuade my son, who's a carpenter, to give me a hand or pay someone in to mm-hmm. just come and make a few changes, which will enable me to do things independently. But I sort of love, I love it. You know, the planning and the scheming and the, you know, wow, I want to do that. How am I going to do that? How am I going to make this happen? And uh, so like, I, you know, not, not just gardening, but I, I found a canoe that you can pedal with, you know. So I've got oh. an adaptive bike, you know. So if I want to do it, I'm going to do it. I'll just have to find someone to help me maybe. No, it's fantastic. And um, does gardening help you physically and mentally at all? And if so, how? Well, I don't think gardening did help me at one stage because it wasn't organised enough. So I used to get quite a lot of back pain. Um, mm. And gardening, standing on one foot, you know, uh, always using the same foot. So, and it damaged my feet. So I've now got this fabulous pair. Thanks to the viewers of Gardening World, really. They they, they watch Gardeners World and they all sent me their ideas. And although none of them oh, are wonderful. quite right, I was inspired to find <laughs> my own solution at last. So I've got a pair of very thin wet boots. So they'll protect my feet. And of course, I've raised all the beds to protect my back. Um, so in terms of physical health, health, you know, yes, it can take its toll, it can take its toll, it takes its toll on my husband, you know, um, yes. but I've adjusted, I try and, I want my body to last as long as possible. Um, yes. so I tend not to try and push it too hard. So new tools, you know, as soon as I see, I've got a new tool this week, a new weeding tool. And, um, you know, I, I invest in things that are going to make it less debilitating, and uh, in terms of mental health, I find it's very nurture. I like to nurture. My children have left home and, you know, gr- bringing on <laughs> seedlings is like having little babies and I like to nurture mm. them. And, and I, it's very creative. It allows you to, you know, ch- it's so changeable gardening. You know, one, one month it's one thing, one month it's another thing. So it's, it's very creative. And I, and, I, and I find when I do it, I go into sort of Zen mode. So mm-hmm. I do like it. No, I think that's something we all we all look forward to is that time alone yeah. in a bit of Zen mode. And gardening does get celebrated for being therapeutic and good for well-being. Has it helped you through any dark times? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> because no. Um uh it, well maybe painting helps me through dark times, I think, more than ah. gardening. Painting my flowers, which is gardening. So I I like to paint them and I like to dip them in ink and, and paint and I like to really break them apart. And so sort of surreptitiously it has an influence. So if I'm, I'm a bit, you know, down, I will go into my lovely garden shed with all my paints and pick some flowers and paint them. Oh, lovely. And and how do you paint? You don't mind so me asking. I paint using my feet and my hands and my mouth and whatever bit of me that happens to be, you know, useful um so I started off when I when I, I'm a massage therapist I use my feet to massage and I started off mm-hmm. experimenting with body prints rubbing people in oil and poster paint and lying them on the floor and getting body prints and then I started using my toes and my toes make really nice flowers they're, they're, they, they come out really <laughs> lovely petals so I progressed from there to you know doing a bit of more detail with my hands so I use my feet my hands I tend to use acrylics and or poster paints and I just have a bit of fun. It's quite funny because on Gardeners World, I got a real ribbing from my friends who were wearing T-shirts that were covered in stains. 
And I said, <laughs> but these are my gardening t-shirts because the moment uh-huh. I go out there, I get brown bosoms. Yeah, I'm covered in earth because my arms are so short. <laughs> so I have, I got completely covered. I had completely purple bosoms yesterday. My husband came home and found me completely purple. Um, but, <laughs> you know, the shirt goes in the wash and I have a whole wardrobe for doing kitchen jobs, a whole wardrobe for doing gardening jobs. Today, I've got something oh. nice on for a change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you look lovely. You look absolutely lovely. And I wanted to ask you, you mentioned about your massage work. You use your feet to massage in your job as a sports massage therapist. Has gardening helped you build up strength and dexterity in your feet or is it the other way around? I think it's the other way around. Um, <laughs> I think it's the other way around because I was gardening with my feet. But mm-hmm. well, yeah, I, I, th- well, I think they're complementary, but I have to... You know, I had to stop, as I said, gardening with my feet because I was ruining them. And I can't go to work. I couldn't go to work with really dirty feet. So I used to just garden before my pedicure. And then I I found a way of cutting off the fingers of rubber gloves and wrapping electric tape around my toes and I could protect my nails. So I did a bit more gardening. Ah. But at one stage, I didn't garden very much because with my feet, because I was so reliant on my job and my, you know, uh, but you know, over the years, I've got my way around so I can do both. Oh, that, I, I like the idea of cutting the fingers of rubber gloves and yeah, finding the these thumbs. ways. It's the, th- the only things that will fit my toes are thumbs. <laughs> so you cut them off and then you wrap electric tape. But I've just got these these super wetsuit boots now that are really thin. And so no more electric tape and no more cutting up my rubber gloves. <laughs> <laughs> and is there anything you think that people who don't have um, differences with their bodies could learn from those gardening with body differences yeah I mean I think you know as people get older you know I I massage a lot of clients who um you know are getting bad backs and and uh arthritis in the hands you know or shoulders and I think rather than carry on you know if your garden isn't working for you I think you need to look at it and see how you can make it work for you what changes you can make so that you can still enjoy your garden um, without putting yourself through the mill physically. So I think mm. anybody, as they're getting older, can take something from the way um, people with difference adapt their lives, you know, by raising things up, by, you know, making paths less wide to weed, by, you know, um, you know, tools, all the interesting tools that are around, by making, you know, changing your shovels and spades to more lightweight ones, longer handles. You know, there's all sorts of things you can do move <laughs> and uh, you know get a smaller garden but uh <laughs> there you know I, I I think what I think people tend to do is get overwhelmed and not make changes mm. to suit them so I think that's relevant to anybody what would your advice be then if you are feeling overwhelmed I would try and work out what part of the garden is what job is overwhelming you what part of the garden is overwhelming you and and then specifically target one area at a time, really. Um, and, you know, really analyze what it is. Because it might be the type of plants you're using. So, for instance, I used to have a lot of shrubs. And now um, I had some secateurs I could use. but And I used to use my chin and everything. And my shoulders and neck got really badly strained. So I've replaced the shrubs with um, flowers and plants that I can cut with scissors mainly. So they've got thinner stems ah. and and I yes. keep, if I have got a shrub, um, I keep it small so that it, it regrows all the time with thin stems. Yes. So the choice of plants 
And also things like staking. I made some mistakes with my agapanthus. I bought two bigger agapanthus. The heads were too big for the bodies for my windy area. So there's more work <laughs> to be done with staking. So if a plant needs yeah. work, don't use it. You know, some of the most common, most popular, you know, people can be quite intellectually snobby about plants. But sometimes mm. the really everyday ones are everyday because they're really good flowers and they're easy to maintain. And and, and so yeah. don't worry about, you know, what people think. You know, choose the plant that's going to suit your ability to, to look after it. I hadn't considered that before. I think it's really interesting. You know, we say right plant, right place, and you think about your garden, but actually thinking about the person tending to the plant is something that makes it a lot easier, as you say. I hadn't thought about it at all in terms of pruning and plants that are going to grow in a way that is is more accessible yeah. to gardening. And, and, and prickly plants and poisony plants. You know, if you're going to have to cut them and put your face right into them, you don't, <laughs> want, you don't want something that's going to leak sap into your eye. I mean, your eye's two, no. minutes, two minutes away from it because I love euphorbias, but I, I'd never have them. Because, yeah. you know, I want to fiddle about with them and then I'd end up, you know, doing myself in. For me to think about using the tools that I've got in the garden without using my thumbs is incredibly challenging. So it's incredibly admirable that you're you're finding ways. What are the ways that you're doing gardening without using thumbs? So as I said, I do scissors. I've got like a pincer movement, you know, between mm-hmm. my two fingers. So I can squeeze. So any tools, I've got a really, a really brilliant um pair of Japanese secretaires that I bought for my husband I didn't think I'd be able to use and they're, <laughs> they're lightweight and they're now mine and um and they're quite they just need squeezing I use my chin as well as my hands so my chin becomes another bit of squeeze in my shoulder and um so I use scissors and I use I've got a new tool uh, which is called a snapper which is like a helping hand that disabled people would know or pe- uh, people with difference would know and I think Mark had it on Gardens World and I had it and I've had loads of inquiries since I've been on there. So, I've, you know, the, they must be making a fortune from me. Um, so uh, <laughs> that has been really good. And I don't know how long it's going to stay sharp or it's going to last. But um, so that means I don't have to get my face right into the plants. I can clip it from a distance, <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, so, yeah, scissors, uh, that. And I've got very long-handled spades, very lightweight very long handled um, spade and fork that I found in the in a garden centre after looking for absolutely ages. A very lightweight. I had one for years and then it broke. And then um, so they're great. So it's 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 tools that don't require thumbs. And um, I can, you know, I just sort of get around it. And then I if I can't, I leave jobs for my gardener <laughs> or my husband going, do that. <laughs> What were the most common questions people wanted to ask you? Uh, where did I get the, my snapper tool from? <laughs> um, that was my common one. But I had a lot of feedback on... Oh, they loved... So they they li- they had feedback on what they liked, really, more than questions. And I had, um, I had feedback on the fact that they loved the idea of just keeping it simple and repetitive and only having five plants to manage and know about and deal with um I also had I had some wonderful letters from mums with uh children who have a similar disability though obviously not ours uh with their hands coming out of their shoulders um and you know they've got young babies and they saw me on the television and they they were quite not in despair but quite despondent about the future their life would 
path it would take. And you see um, people with difference on the te- upper limb difference on the television, yeah. and often they're acting and they're baddies or they're 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 in a, a, a in a maybe a bit of a sad situation or, but you don't see a middle class woman gardening, you know, having a normal <laughs> life, you know, nothing really going on, but she's growing our plants, and I think. They found it so reassuring that, you know, we're out there and we're just quietly doing our thing. And so I had some beautiful, beautiful letters and I was able to sort of help them and point them in the right direction and talk about, you know, getting their socks on and give them some practical advice because I've got some videos on YouTube just showing people how to do that. So that was very rewarding. And a lot of people suffering from depression um, saying Mm -hmm. that they like the way that I just got on with it and they're going to get on with it now. And and people who had who had all sorts of disabilities and who were film, feeling overwhelmed by their gardening, and I'd inspire them to sort of have a rethink. As I had loads of lovely letters, and so that was that was absolutely wonderful. And then I had lots of people trying to solve my foot sock problem, and uh, had socks being sent, and um, which is very very kind and fabulous. Um, and although they weren't you know, suitable. I They did spur me on, as I said, to, to solve the problem at last. Yes, because those were, those were two two bits that stuck out for me. Firstly, you in your hammock at the end. I mean, that looks... Oh, all my friends did. How heavenly. did you do that? But I love my hammock. I've been doing that for years. <laughs> you look absolutely like someone in their element. So I completely understand how so many people felt so touched and so sort of like yeah, this is representation we're not getting. You know, this this is yeah. this is absolutely... And it was, you know. yeah, and all my friends, because, you know, there's, there's about 450 of us that are still yeah. alive today with this disability in the UK and the, and, the, and the guys abroad. And then there's people with similar disability absolutely loving it, you know, going... And then, uh, you know, we're going... And then coming up with ideas themselves for me and I do this. And I, so we had lots of shared videos and... Um, you know, and I think that they just like, well, I love seeing someone like me on the telly. Yeah. I just think, oh, it's normal, you know, well, there's normal life. No, absolutely. And and then the second thing was, you mentioned about using socks and you wish there was a foot glove. Yeah. <laughs> so this is what some of the responses were. So um, has there been any more advance on finding something? You mentioned sort of boots, thin boots, but is there something you would still like to see produced? I would love, I mean, I found these wet boots, as I said, but I have to get them from America. And they're great for, uh, but they're they're still not perfect. What I don't want, because life is far too short, is a five-toe glove. Because I don't Mm. use my five toes. I use my first big toe and my second toe. And life is too difficult. Uh, You know, don't make life more difficult to have to put little toes into little, you know, each little segment. So what I'd love marigold gloves to do is to do, you know, disposable gloves that came up around your foot, because the ones I've got don't come quite high up your ankle, um, and that you can, with just the split toe, you know, so they're stretchy, yes, yes. and they're, you know, like you get the disposable gloves, or you get the rubber gloves, you know, when you're um, washing up. So that, because the, the finer the glove is, the more detailed work you can do, you know what I mean? So yes, that I, I would love them, because I did write to them, but I haven't had a reply. I don't know if it ever <laughs> it got to the right person. I've you know, a couple of people sent me links to people who make these things. And I tried years ago. And one of the, the pros, they were really kind. And um, one company, I can't remember who it was, sort of waterproof, did the prototype sock and waterproofed it for me. And and it's it, it has worked for a long time, but it was only half waterproof because it had to be stretchy. 
and mm. and and so I still got dirty toes so it wasn't any good and it wasn't quite the right shape I love that you're glamorous as well as gardening because I think the two can go hand in hand absolutely oh, you've got to be glamorous <laughs> you've got to be glamorous <laughs> always always <laughs> And finally, I mean, what would you suggest to those hesitant to do gardening because of physical difference or disability? What would you say to them? I, you know, I would say go and, you know, have a little visit to other gardens, to all sorts of gardens um, that are open to the public and to, and have a little think about what might work for you in that garden. So, it might just be that you don't have, you have pots, you know, and you need to then consider if you can lift, you know, because these lovely stone pots that you see on Gardener's World, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you know, yeah, that, yeah. That, that once they're there, that's where you're going to be gardening, you know, unless you've got yeah. somebody that's going to move them. So you need to think of the materials you're going to use. You need to think of the size. You, and you need to think, do I want to be doing too much? You know, do I just want, you know, a bit of clipping box hedging or do I want a mm-hmm. of flowers and, you know, everywhere? And and then just maybe try a couple of things. You know, if your garden's completely just lawn and you haven't, you, you're not going to do anything, just try, you know, a couple of things, even put a raised bed in or a couple of pots and look after those things to start with. And and see if you like getting your fingers in the soil and dirty or your feet in the soil. And, you know, and just have a little go, but don't do not do too much too quickly. It has been fantastic to hear about how Sue has not only been able to overcome some of her own challenges, but how so many viewers of the TV show were able to find encouragement and support through what she does. Now, while some aspects of gardening with a disability or difference are improving in terms of accessibility and support, there are areas that require development and discussion. I'm joined by Sonal Samaria, a gardener in her early 20s who's overcome challenges of gardening with visual and hearing impairment by using her other senses. She feels there is a lot more we can do to support young people into professional gardening. I only found out about my hearing impairment at primary school and I wasn't a very sociable person. I wouldn't really speak to my peers or anything. Um, one of my teaching assistants, she owned gardening club back at primary school. And for my, for the sake of my self-esteem, she asked my mum if I could join. And my mum said, yeah, that's fine. And... I was actually the youngest member of Gardening Club and I really enjoyed it because um, it was looking after plants rather than talking to people, which is something I really struggled with. Um, So, yeah, that's how it all kicked off. And, yeah, I've, I've won an award and stuff. I've still tried to keep at it. So, yeah, that's how it kicked off. That's fantastic. Um, and I remember you coming to do work experience with me at a, one of the world's biggest botanical gardens. And we had great fun, didn't we? Yes, we did. Well, I remember your passion for plants. It was, it was about three, four years ago, wasn't it, when we were working together. Your passion for growing, for propagation. Yeah. I remember we were doing cuttings together, weren't we? Yeah. Um, you, you did have techniques that helped you. You know, can you tell us about any of the ways that you're able 
because you must have had to learn a lot of Latin names for your plants in your courses and not just learn the names, but know which plant those are. So how did you learn plants by name if, if you were struggling to see them? What did you do? So I had a few techniques where I used my other senses. I used my smell, my sense of touch, and my sense of taste, only if the plant were edible, for example, in nasturtium. <laughs> I love nasturtium, they're so good. But um, <laughs> there were some plants that had a significant smell, for example, um, Sauracoca hookeriana. It smells a little bit like uh, we. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that's how I remember stuff. And also, that's sweet box, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and also, um, for example, Buxus sempervirens, you will know it is a very close um, hedge. It doesn't go, like, it doesn't kind of branch out. It's very, like, narrow, so you can, like, use your sense of touch. I also try to identify the leaf shapes in my sense of touch. Um, and I I have very good memory, which I'm very pleased about. You need to smell it, touch it. Yes. Talk to it and, yeah. <laughs> Do you talk to the plants? Or yeah. <laughs> What's your favourite activities gardening? So my favourite activities in gardening included bulb planting, um, planting seeds, basically everything with plants. I wasn't the best at pruning because um, it was a matter of I wasn't sure where the cup was supposed to go on the branch and... Um, I was quite good at weeding because um, I learned at college that if you grow your uh, vegetables, for example, in a line and the weeds will grow everywhere so you can kind of fog them out without um, touching your vegetables, which is very good idea. If Yeah, and... Um, Plant I dance was one of my favourites because I, <laughs> I was like, yes, let's go. And I like learned a lot of new different plant names. Um, I still remember my first tree to this day. Your first tree? Yeah. Tibetan cherry, which is prunus, prunus something. Yeah. So I've had quite a lot of fun studying it, yeah. But you've you've been talking about this in the past tense a little bit now. You've been talking about what you were doing when yeah. you were studying, and and this is this is something I want to ask you about, Sonal. Um, you stopped studying gardening, didn't you? Yes, I did. What? Why? They were saying I couldn't continue my studies in level three, second year, because, because of my visual impairments. So 
um, and also um, it was like, what what would happen after college? What would I do after college? So I I decided to kind of stop. What would help you to work in horticulture? If I hadn't known back then about all there are there are loads of charity for visual impairment. Um, maybe if I was working in horticulture, they could come and visit me and my employer and do a little workshop on how visual impairment works. And, and yeah, because I don't think people really understand unless they have seen someone with it or they have visual it themselves. Um, I mean, you can get um, special glasses that really show you what it's like being visually impaired. Um, And also there's a scheme called Access to Work, which I didn't know about then, which is where the government sends someone to, um, to kind of be your helper and they get paid by the government to um, be your eyes, basically. I All of that I didn't know until recently. And, and I think working with you, I am aware that there was a lot of setup, wasn't there? If you do go and work in a garden that hasn't got the experience or doesn't have staff that are visually or hearing impaired, there's a lot of things that have to be put in place, aren't yes. there? There's a lot of a lot of things that go in. And I think we had to be together all the time, didn't we? That was one of the conditions for your safety. How does gardening make you feel, Sonal? Um, It it makes me feel pleasant, but um, a little bit stressed at times because it's like... (laughs) um, (laughs) Because it's like uh, you're buying materials, you need to make sure that you have enough compost, you need to uh, do a reasonable amount of aftercare. But however, it does make you feel good that you're producing something, seeds or fruit or veg or flowers, that you're adding colour to your life, as I like to say. Yeah. And what would you like to see happen to encourage and support more young people into studying horticulture and be able to work in gardens who are visually or hearing impaired? So um, for those who are hearing and visually impaired, maybe maybe do some, like, wherever you're studying, get a, a visually impaired charity to come and do a workshop at your college or place of study so that the the person who's teaching you can get a better understanding of what you can or can't see. How do we make it a level playing field? How do we make it that somebody who is visually or hearing impaired doesn't feel the way you felt? You know, is it about having that support in place? You've mentioned awareness, education. Do you think with the right kit that that, that visually impaired and hearing impaired people should be working in garden centres and gardens or more of them? Yes. So um, there is a lot of visually impaired people are, in average, 
there is a big percentage of them being unemployed due to um, discrimination and, you know, it's it's kind of like this person can't do it, let's employ the other person because they they have the vision, for example. But if the kit was in place, if the support was in place, if charities did a little workshop, then all would be good. And there are also the things like guiding, which I didn't know about until recently. It's where someone who is sighted guides someone who is visually impaired um, by basically they hold onto the elbow. The visually impaired person will hold onto the elbow of the sighted person um yeah and there's also things like uh guide dog awareness and there are loads of charities out there that could comply this awareness which would be very useful to have well i hope that um, anyone listening, if they don't know about some of the charities you became aware of that maybe you didn't know earlier, I hope they find out more about them. And I hope you go back into horticulture because I think the world of gardening is a lot richer having you in it, Sonal. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Sonal, it's been a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much for sharing your insight, your experience, positive and challenging with us. It's a real pleasure. Thank you ever so much, Sonal. Yeah. Take care. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. And you can find out more about the themes we've covered today at gardenersworld.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or Acast to never miss an episode. See you next time.